the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. And every day, every week, we see the need for people to fulfill the obligations of that most important political office if we're to remain a free country. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, and my uh, usual co-host Don Dix has some more important things to do, something about some Republican Party meeting today. It's boring, but... Actually, this may be fortuitous because I have a co-host, much more attractive than Don Dix, Karen Contreras. She is the uh, the current president of the San Bernardino Republican Women Federated. I am. Yes, Wonderful. I am. Great to be here. Part of our Unite IE coalition of Tea Party conservatives, uh, Republicans, trying to work together the way the, the enemy works together. And uh, we have our, as a guest today, he has his own show on AM590, Phil Naiman, uh, who in real life is an investment advisor, but he is, a, he is an officiato and an expert in guns and firearms and the laws regulating guns and firearms. And uh, we, we know from the recent mass shootings that the, the Congress intends to take another run at restricting our rights of law-abiding citizens to own guns. And that's why we asked him on the show today. I would just say, I know your, your role as an investment advisor, before the show, I was asking Phil where I should put my money. And he said, canned goods and ammunition. No, I said semi-precious metals, which nope, is that too. lead wrapped in copper stored in a brass sleeve, <laughs> otherwise known as ammunition. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Well, well, welcome to the show, everyone. Um, we know from the very tragic mass shootings that inevitably they, they will have not even moved the bodies out of the murder location before Democrats start trying to u- exploit the incident well, to advance their gun control, gun confiscation agenda. So if they move the bodies, then people like Kamala Harris wouldn't be allowed to stand on the bodies to preach from them. Okay? So, yeah, Understandable. you're right. Understandable. She comes in before everything's even settled. It's terrible. Now, I do want to correct one thing. You said I was an expert on laws. Greg, you're a lawyer. I do not fit the expert of laws. I can help people stay out of trouble, but I am not an expert on laws. So you, you probably know more about fire, the laws governing firearms than okay. I do. All right. So anyway, I just want to... Okay. I play one on TV, but I'm not really a lawyer. Okay, moving on. <laughs> so, what, what? So, what? Some of the things you've heard about what they're planning to do is uh, universal background checks and red flag laws. We have all those in California. Okay, and we've had all those for several years. You cannot transfer a firearm legally to another person in California without a background check. Our background checks, even though they institute the federal system, uh, which in every other or most other states, excuse me are instantaneous, they still take 10 days to get them done in California. I think it's a union job. I don't know. But it takes them 10 days to do the background checks out here, and they're never going to speed that up because they like the way that works. But it's illegal to pass on a firearm from one person to another in the state of California. 
if you are a gangbanger and you don't care because you're a multiple felon anyway and shouldn't have a firearm, and if you're loaning a firearm to somebody else for a crime, this happens all the time. It's against the laws. As we know, only good citizens obey laws. Criminals, by definition, don't. Wow, what an insight. Criminals <laughs> don't obey laws. That's kind of how they got the name criminals, right? Um, we're running into, at this point, a conflict with our First Amendment rights and the red flag laws and our Second Amendment rights. What, for those who aren't familiar with it, what is a red flag law? Okay. A, a red flag law, it's a, it's a catchy little phrase, which I'm sure pulled very high in the focus groups when they created this phrase, red flag law. A red flag law is supposed to be, we know this person is a danger. They have said X. They've done this. We believe them to be a danger. Therefore, we should have the right to come in and put them in, in a holding cell, confiscate their firearms, uh, interview them. I mean, we have the right to do several different things on that. And those are considered red flags. Like this person is throwing up a red flag. They're signaling that they're going to do something dangerous in the future. So it's like, But it doesn't mean that they've committed a crime or threatened to commit a crime. Well, because they created the red flag laws, then yes, they've committed a crime because they broke a red flag law that they just committed. Sure. Right. But they, they don't necessarily have to have threatened anybody. Nope. It's just in someone's opinion, they're dangerous. And that's the, that's the worst part is we have firearm restraining orders in California, which can be abused horribly because it doesn't require the person who's accused. They never get a day before the judge. The first thing they know is there's a sheriff's on their front door. And when the sheriffs come to take their guns, they know that you have firearms. So there's more than one. Right. Mm -hmm. You can have a dangerous situation. Uh, They come in to take these things. They're taken from the gentleman or lady or whoever it happens to be. And they either have to have a a licensed FFL hold them, which they pay 30, 40 bucks a month per firearm. Or they go to the police station where they get thrown into a big blue bucket of guns in the back room. You know, if you have a collection, they're just going to be destroyed. And it's all because somebody else said something. And, And the bad part about this. And you know me pretty well, Greg. You know that I absolutely hate criminals. I hate liars also. The person who set up this restraining order, if it happens to be false or they did it vindictively, what's the repercussion? Bumpers. None. Yeah. I mean, theoretically, that there, 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 there could be perjury if they signed a declaration, but in practical means, People it's don't zero. go to jail for breaking and entering. They're going to go to jail for perjury? Very rarely. Yeah. Even when it's white and, even when it's white and obvious. Karen. Yeah, I want to weigh in on this because I, coming from a healthcare background, and we see people who all the time are vindictive against relatives and will say any manner of things to get them into trouble. Um, divorces. Divorces. I mean, you just see, you just see the, the violence, the verbal violence that occurs in families. And it's concerning that someone can bring up an allegation like this and the person has essentially no right. No No right. right. Yeah, no recourse. Absolutely none. And not only in a court, but also financially. And I'm just wondering, where are we going with this? How can we kind of reverse this trend toward these red flag laws? I mean, we got got people on the Hill who want to do this. I mean, it's crazy. I'm not sure. I mean, you take a look, too. I mean, the the First Amendment, right, the freedom of speech, this is totally abridged. So if somebody is saying that we want to 
Kamala Harris is our senator, right? Yes. Unfortunately, I know. Make she's it, not my... It's a no, bad... She's thing. not our senator, yeah, but she, she is. She's, she's not my senator. <laughs> Saying those words means I have to go use some scope because it's a bad taste in my mouth. But if you said something like, you know, we need to get rid of Kamala Harris, okay? Well, I'm talking about politically, yes. but somebody overhears that, and now what? Sure. And easily becomes, you know, you're mentally ill. They, they say Donald Trump is mentally ill. They say well, people that support Donald Trump are mentally ill. And we talked about this back when those first, first came out is it's a slippery slope. I think anybody who would support a progressive socialist agenda, looking at the historical facts of what that incurs, they have to be mentally ill to want to have central control planning over their lives and eventually gulags. Anybody marching down that road by definition, is mentally ill. They're doing the same thing over and over again, hoping for different results, right? That's mm-hmm. called socialism. That's Occupy and Antifa. Those people are not only violent, but they're demonstrably mentally ill. But we don't go after them. We're going after people in California who own firearms. And here's the sad thing is a guy buys an AR-15 10 years ago, okay? His buddy, they went out, they bought one. It's in his closet. He's never done anything with it. So maybe it doesn't have a bullet button. Maybe it does have a bullet button. Maybe it had an uh, affordable, uh, adjustable stock. Maybe it had a certain flash hider. It's sitting in his closet. The laws have changed around him, and he's just not a shooter, so he doesn't really know. So all of a sudden, he's got a felony sitting in his closet, right? His life's going to be materially changed if something like this pops up because. He, he goes through a divorce and his wife says, oh, he has a black gun in the closet that gets a restraining order, which in most divorce cases, restraining orders fly pretty easily, right? They do. Almost yep. automatically. So if you have a restraining order and you have firearms, you have to give them up. So then they go to his house and knock on the door and he goes, yeah, it's in a back closet over here because he's a good guy. They pull it out and they say, this is an assault weapon. And now he's got handcuffs on and he's getting bracelet walked for what? He was never a threat to anybody. And so those are the overreaches. The Department of Justice is pushing in certain areas, and I really wish they would go back to being a Department of Justice and not a Department of... Injustice. Yeah. So what I would like to see them do is like, look, these are felons. There's a list of felons with firearms. Let's get every one of those felons back in jail for a long, long time. Let's make the... You know, one of the taglines for my radio show, uh, it's the criminals, stupid... Right? It's the old war room for Bill yes. Clinton. It's the criminals. Let's just focus on the criminals because we have a small subset of terrible people doing the vast majority of all violent crimes. And the, the Democrats in California insist on putting them back on the streets, getting them out as, of jail as quickly as possible, taking things that were felonies, making them um, cert- citations now. So nobody does any jail time and crime is free. And and we're plagued by predators by Sacramento. They are releasing predators into our neighborhoods and then denying us our rights to self-defense. Now that is insanity. Maybe we should red flag everybody except for Mike Morrell in Sacramento. Just as an aside, there was a story I just read this past week in which Facebook's facial recognition Technology. They ran a test of it on the California legislature and yep. it flagged a couple of dozen of them well, as criminals. And the problem was it, it did a um, – it's obviously it's failed technology because that showed 20% were criminals when we know it's 80%. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> They'll improve. Maybe, maybe they'll improve and get it more accurate. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's, take, let's take a pause here and hear a word from our sponsor for this half of United IE Radio, Ed Hoffman, the man to go to for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. Go see Ed. Absolutely. Back after this. 
Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, here on AM590 The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of anything that you want or anything that you need between now and your final day on earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock right here on AM 590, The Answer. This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton. I'm joined as a my guest host, Karen Contreras. Don is off at some stupid Republican meeting today. And we have our guest, uh, Phil Naiman. Uh, Firearms expert and host of the Firing Line show heard on this station. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, well, way back, Thomas Jefferson wrote that the laws that forbid the carrying of arms are laws of such a nature they disarm only those who are inclined or nor determined to commit crimes. Such laws make things worse for the assaulted and better for the assailants. They serve to encourage, they, they serve rather to encourage than to prevent homicides, for an unarmed man may be attacked with greater confidence than an armed man. Yeah, that was 220 years ago, and he had it right, right? You know, the Second Amendment is the Equal Rights Amendment for most people, especially for women. Yes. Right, Karen? Absolutely. And, And I don't understand why we're not hearing more from women about this red flag. Because it's emotional. Well... Yeah, it's emotional, but it should be emotional well, for other reasons. Let me let me re, let me jump on that. I didn't mean to just say it's emotional because it's women, but the argument that we're faced for, yes. okay, is firearms are bad, and and they they run this twenty four seven in the news cycle, appealing to people's emotional pitches. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. Wouldn't you? I mean, wouldn't you want to take away the gun if you from could the, from, 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 from the from the person who's going to commit a mass shooting? How do you say no? Okay. But is the government going to be able to figure out who is likely to commit a mass shooting competently and honestly? Or is it going to become a politically biased? There's been a couple of these people that have been reported and they're visited by the FBI or somebody and they just walk away and then the person does the crime anyway. So how's that helping? I think the only defense, and, and especially for, for uh, you know, the fact is most ladies cannot defend themselves as well as a man of equal size. It's just a physiological thing. Now, I know there are ladies out there that could beat me to a pulp. I get that. Um, but we're talking about the vast majority aren't. And so they're, how do they defend themselves? How does a 65-year-old widow defend herself against three young men breaking into her house? she going to you know, stomp on their instep and uh, poke them in the eye? No. She's going to be a, a horrible victim without... Some kind of a equalizer, whether it's a firearm or 
samurai sword. I mean, she's going to need something in there to to increase her odds. Okay, samurai sword was a joke. You're right. Was, yeah, you don't want to get that close. I thought it was going to be funnier than it sounded. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't want to get that close. But she's going to need a firearm to defend herself and to disarm everybody and let the criminals on the street is maddening. Yeah, I agree. And I'm hoping that here, at least here in California, we can elicit some response for the women through going through women's groups. I know that I, well, this is just a guess because I don't have hard data, but I would say that probably 65% of all Republican women in California have some firearm or at least have access access to it in their homes. So I think it's pretty well accepted among my peers in the Republican Party, women, that we are, you come in my home and you don't belong there, you're going down. So, yeah, it's an issue. It's an issue for us. Yeah, it is. And and who wants to be the victim, right? And so everybody's like, well, what if the person didn't mean to harm you? Or, I mean, look at the new restrictions on police officers we just passed. Yes. That's, that's a total video review case for lawyers down the road to sue everybody for everything. Right. They can only use deadly force if it's necessary to protect human life. And of course, that's exactly what you said. It's going to be reviewed. That's going to be reviewed after the fact. Right. Not when you're, not when an officer is not a reasonably believed need to protect life. So, so here's a scenario. Um, I'm the bad guy. I'm shooting at you. All right. Boom, 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 boom. My gun goes click. I'm turning and I'm running down and getting behind a barrel. Now, am I running to get away from you and I'm no longer a threat, or am I running to go reload? Good question. How, you don't know. But the lawyers who are reviewing the tape six months later will say, well, he didn't have any more bullets in his pocket. As if the officer should know that, because it's, it's, it's not a reasonably believed. Right. Or, or even he's shooting and, he's, and then he runs. Yeah. Is yeah. he running to relocate to another place to shoot again? Mm-hmm. Right. So all those things come so, into play. So how, I mean, so how, is, how an officer is going to wind up just back off from any, any situation? Officers will become security guards, which is observe and report. Wait till the gunfire drives down. Drive around the block a few times. Well, I don't hear more gunshots. Okay, let's go see what happened. There's a lot of gun control measures, and certainly California has a, has a, has a vast number of laws. Do gun, is there any evidence that gun control laws, as you mentioned before, which by definition affect only honest law-abiding citizens, work? Do they, do they reduce crime, homicide? Mass shootings. Is there any? Is there any evidence that they work? No, there's there's not, and it all comes down to preemptive action. If somebody is determined to kill somebody, whether it's with a vehicle, like we saw in Nice, you know, killed eighty five people with a lorry, right? right, or a bomb or fertilizer, the evil will happen. We have to be able to defend ourselves from it. Criminals, by definition, you know, I don't know why this is lost on all the socialist progressive. Democrats, criminals by definition do not follow the law. You can write anything you want. The only people who are going to obey that law were the people who are not a threat to you to begin with. And the conservatives, the Republicans, the conservatives, we are the ones who follow the rules. That's our nature. We're not, we're not the rule breakers. We're not the liars out there that are doing all this terrible stuff. We're the ones who actually follow these rules. Bill Whittle had just a great piece on this. It's called Number One with a Bullet, and he's, it was in a video. Also has a, it's all, you can find it on the written form of that. And America, United States, America, is by far, the, has the most guns per capita. Yeah. 
So of the 218 countries that measured in the, in the, in this study, where down that rank is the, is America in homicides per capita? About two thirds down. 111 out of 218. Yeah. Okay. And that includes places like Detroit and Chicago and other. That includes our, our communist progressive hell holes inside of the United States, like Chicago and Detroit. Yeah. On the other hand, if you look at a place like Plano, Texas, he uses an example, where practically everyone, every house in the city has more yeah. than one gun. Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, where okay. all the retired yeah. police officers go. So you, so you would think this would be the homicide capital of the world. Right. But instead, the murder rate is 0. 0.4 per 100,000. It's lower than Germany lower than uh, Switzerland, Denmark, and it's only a quarter, as, he, as, as Bill Whittle says, of those murderous, violent, rampaging, death-worshipping Belgians. <laughs> right, and not only that, but if you, if you factor out the major democratically controlled cities in the United States, Chicago, Detroit, L.A., you take those out, we dropped like to the bottom of the list as far as violence is concerned. There are 32,000 firearm-related Deaths, just homicides. Now, homicide is a is a human death. It is not a murder, right? Of those, nineteen to twenty one thousand are suicides. Now, that's a tragic case of when somebody loses their own hope. Okay, that's that's what happens in that area. Of the remaining balance, about eighty five hundred have to do with the drug trade and gang activity. You back those out, you have about two thousand firearm deaths with police nationwide. Okay. That leaves about 25, and then there's about 300 that are accidents, which are the true casualties here. But there's about 22 to 2,500 murders a year. That's what we're talking about. There are less people killed with a rifle of any kind than with hammers, clubs, and hands. So unless you're going to have a 10-day waiting period at Home Depot for a hammer, um, your waiting periods won't work. There's less than three. We need some common sense hammer control. Yes. We need, we need common sense criminal control. Keep felons in for as long as we can and then add 10 more years. All right. They are predators. We have a small subset of horrific people that are allowed to come out and continue to prey on, on our people, on your grandchildren, on our wives and our daughters. We're allowing these predators back on the street. And that's where all the violent crime is. We only have two minutes left here in, in this in this in our, in our half hour here. And I want to briefly touch on another subject, because immediately after a a tragic incident, it's gun control, take away the rights of law-abiding Americans to own guns. And throwing that sometimes, we talk about mental health. But there is no reference whatsoever, very rarely if at all, do you talk about conscience. Why why is at this stage you have people that will walk into a supermarket or a store or a church or wherever and just start shooting? And, uh, and Dennis Prager wrote something which is brilliant, of course, Prager. Mm-hmm. And this is back after the Sandy Hook murders. And the, 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 guy, the, the man that was autistic, the murderer was. And he said, my stepson is autistic and he's not nearly as functional as the murderer in Sandy Hook. But my son believes, that, believes in God and believes that God punishes people who do evil. And yet what is... And I, I read that the, the recent, of, the, of the recent mass shootings in Gilroy, El Paso, and Dayton, Ohio, that you had two atheists and one Satanist mm-hmm. were the murderers. Well, can you be a Christian and a mass murderer? It's kind of conflicting in the, uh, they are. the issues, right? How many mass murderers attend church on a regular basis? 
Well, the values aren't consistent, are they? That's what I'm saying. You can't be yeah. can't be both. You're right, and, and it's a culture war. And when these kids are spending 14 hours a day doing Call of Duty shoots and 360 no scope headshots, and uh, just hit the reset button, and they're raised in a nihilistic school system where nothing matters anyway, you're just a bunch of goo from a from a pond. That's what you get. You've raised little murderers that are all on uh, psychotropic drobes, Ritalin, and everything else. It all is a huge mess. So if if we want to protect our Second Amendment rights, we need to be active and uh, let our members of Congress know that we don't want further restrictions on our rights, our Second Amendment rights. As Tim Donnelly said, there's no such thing as gun control. There is only people control. So I want to thank you, Phil, for coming in and enlightening us. And I'm sure we'll be talking about this more as Congress comes back. Stay tuned for the second half. We have Susan Shelley, who is a great observer and writer on California politics. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, here on AM590 The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of anything that you want, or anything that you need between now and your final day on Earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock, right here on AM 590, The Answer. MLS ID number 9921, Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, and uh, my usual co-host Don Dix is away at some, uh, some, I'm sure, very useful Republican Party meeting in Riverside County, uh, but... It's actually maybe an improvement because as a guest host, we have Karen Contreras, who is the president of the San Bernardino Republican Women Federated. And welcome to the show, Karen. Yes, great to, to be here. Good to have you. We had a great discussion with Phil Naiman about gun control. And they're going to, when Congress comes back, they're going to make another run to uh, try to uh, take more of our gun rights away. Same thing as always happens here in California. Uh, in this half, we're going to focus on more on, on broader on California issues. We are pleased to have on the line with us Susan Shelley. Who is a who is a columnist with the Southern California News Group? You can find her work on the Redlands Daily Facts, in the San Bernardino Sun, the Riverside Press Enterprise, Los Angeles Daily News, Orange County Register, and I'm sure are other papers in that group. And she's also the vice president for communications with the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. And I would just say, as an aside, before I forget it, is that the president of the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association, John Kupal, is going to be speaking at the Redlands Tea Party Patriots meeting on September 5. I think I have that date right. September 5, Thursday, 7 p.m. at Mill Creek Cattle Company in Mentone, 1874 Mentone Boulevard. Great place to have dinner and come hear what the uh, Democrats are trying to do to your taxes. And you get one guess whether they're trying to raise them or lower them. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Susan. Thank you. Great to be here. So we actually, we actually have a little bit of good news this week um, from the legislature in Sacramento. I don't know what happened. Maybe it's, were they on vacation or what, what the heck was going on? What happened? 
Well, what happened is we're putting the electricity in the third rail just in time for the 2020 election. They tried to do something to Proposition 13, and we stopped them. And I'm very pleased to tell you that. What was going on is Assembly Constitutional Amendment 1 was on the Assembly floor for a vote this past week. And what this is is a constitutional amendment that changes Prop 13 so that instead of needing a two-thirds vote to raise taxes, you would only need a 55% vote to raise taxes, which obviously is a lot easier for the people who want to raise taxes. And this was for any kind of local tax for infrastructure, which is pretty much anything, and for affordable housing projects. And the idea was that it's too hard, the proponents were saying, it's just too hard to get two-thirds of the voters to approve a tax increase, so we must change it to 55%. And this was a very high priority for the Democrats in the Assembly, very high priority for Governor Newsom, we were told. And we were able to keep it from reaching what it needed, which was a two-thirds vote in the Assembly. Constitutional amendments are different than regular legislation. They need a two-thirds vote in the Assembly and a two-thirds vote in the Senate. But if they get on the ballot, they only need a simple majority. So we were very concerned that if, if this wasn't defeated in the legislature and it got on the ballot, that everyone would get glossy mailers about how wonderful it was all going to be and they would just barely get their 50%. And then what would happen is after in every election, you would have another one of these proposals for a tax increase and it would only need 55% to pass and you would have a tax increase after every election. And something so of we an, were happy to stop it. And something amazing is they, they needed two-thirds out of 80. And right. they, um, Democrats have, is it 80, 61, if I recall correctly? So they, they have more than three quarters. They have more than three quarters. more than three quarters of the members, but they right. couldn't, they, they got, there was 44 yeses, 20 noes, and 15 non-voting profiles in courage. That's right. And among the profiles in Courage were two Republican leaders, Chad Mays, the former Assembly Republican leader, and Marie Waldron, the current Assembly Republican leader. They just, they didn't vote. They abstained. But they were there. They were present. They were there, and they abstained. And and I think that's kind of um, concerning. You know, what kind of leadership is that? We want to see the Republican Party protecting taxpayers. What are you there for if you're not protecting taxpayers? This state has the highest taxes in the United States. And we have the worst roads, and the schools are nothing to brag about, and the taxes are higher than anywhere else. It's got to stop. Obviously, the only tax that's not the highest in the country is the property tax, and that's only because of Proposition 13, and they are coming after Proposition 13. The the split-roll proposals, which... This is, this is another area of concern. Under, it's always been the case in California that all property was taxed under the same rules. But what people want to do now, from the teachers' union and other, other groups that are in favor of higher taxes, they want to split the property tax roll so that commercial and industrial property is brought up to market value every year, two years, no, no more often than at, at least every three years. They want to reassess every commercial property in the state to market value so the taxes go up. That's crazy. Crazy. They qualified a split roll initiative, and it was was supposed to be on the ballot, and they're coming up with a new one. Have they withdrawn the first one, or is that still on the ballot? 
it's my understanding that they have not withdrawn it. So I guess they're holding it for the possible chaos of having more than one thing on the ballot and creating, I don't know, negotiating leverage or something. I'm not really sure, but it didn't poll well. It wasn't looking good, and they decided they'd better qualify another measure. So now they need a million signatures by the end of April, I think it is, and uh, that would get this new version of it on the November 2020 ballot. But from a taxpayer perspective, from the jobs creation perspective, from the economy of California perspective, it's just as bad. It's just crazy to raise the taxes on every business in California simultaneously over and over again every year. That's crazy. It's just another big reason, another $11 billion reason to, um, you know, if you if your business does not have to be in California, you know if you're if you're if you're a restaurant or you're a plumber, you probably and you want to do business in California, serve people in California, you kind of got to be here. But if you want to make something, there's no reason you got to be in California. That's very true, and it becomes easier and easier with technology for more and more businesses to be in another location. But what does it do to the consumer? You go to a hotel or a restaurant or a gas station or an office building or a dry cleaner or a donut shop, and their rent has gone up because the property owner's property tax has gone up. And you now are being, you're going to be charged for the highest prices that can cover those taxes without the thing going out of business, which it might do. It might go out of business. You know, it's, it's, you, you certainly know, Karen, from, from running the, the Santa, San Bernardino Republican Women Federated, that when you try to find a venue to have a meeting, it's always a little more expensive than it was the last time to order lunch or dinner at these venues because with the labor costs and the taxes, their overhead goes up and their prices go up. And that begins to drain the consumer. And the cost of living in California is the highest it, it, we have the highest cost of living and the highest poverty rate when adjusted for the cost of living in the United States. So that's what we're doing. We're creating poverty with these proposals. That's absolutely true, Susan, because we have moved venues recently. Um, you, you mentioned uh, a, a minute or two ago about the representation here in California and how we have to get more Republicans elected. Mm-hmm. I don't see that happening with the current um, system, the the top two. So it seems to me that unless we're able to return that back to the original constitutional men, the way it was, I don't see that happening. And what are your thoughts on that? Well, it certainly has not worked out very well. Um, the 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 problem is that. The Republican Party in California is not really trying to win. It, it, they, are, they are trying to just hold on to what they have as best they can, and they, they don't take positions that voters can support, like, for instance, this position with ACA1. This is a clear, this is a clear issue of protecting taxpayers. And where was the Assembly Minority Leader on this? Where was she? Why would you donate? Why would you ring doorbells? Why would you run for office if that's the position of the Republican Party? Well, we're not really, we don't really care whether anybody raises taxes or not. We're just going to sit this out. Really? That's just not leadership. And if, if that's going to be how the party is run, then it's not going to elect anybody. That's, that's just how that's going to be. If you don't stand up for something, no one's going to stand up for you. True. 
Let's take, a, let's take a break here and hear from the sponsor for this half of Unite IE Radio, All-Star Collision. The place to go when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. Back with Susan Shelley after this message. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office out of the private citizen. We have Susan Shelley, a columnist with the SoCal Daily News Group and vice president of the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. And again, by the way, uh, the president of Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association, John Kupal, will be at the Redlands Tea Party Patriots meeting on September 5, 7 p.m. at Mill Creek Cattle Company in Mentone. Great meeting, great place for to have dinner. Um, we, we talked a little bit about the top two, and you wanted to go further with that, Karen. I did, yes. Um, the lack of representation, both in the, the, the House, uh, in the Senate, and the Assembly, you know, leads us to ask what was the original intent of this whole stop, this whole top two thing. And, and it became pretty obvious, you know, when you look at how that all was managed, that it was a feeble attempt, a very feeble attempt, to try to decimate the coffers of the Democratic Party in California. However, that didn't work out, and we can see how that's working out. So unless we're able to actually get out and put something back on the ballot that's going to change the, the California Constitution back to um, representatives of, of our top parties being on the ballot, I don't see that anything is ever going to change. And that includes uh, some of the issues that we've just been talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it really has had a lot of unintended consequences. It it has created a situation where there are no third parties at all. They they cannot get to the to the top two. So, people who want to vote for libertarians or or who want to vote from the left side on the, for the Green Party, they're completely disenfranchised. And and I don't know that that's terribly helpful to the democratic process. And of course, it's created so much opportunity for mischief, where people can. People can put a candidate into somebody else's primary and split the vote, play with the vote, talk people into running or not running, and it creates these mathematical situations where a lot of voters are disenfranchised. So you could elect a a Democratic representative in a majority Republican district because of splitting the vote, and and that's not necessarily always legitimately well-intentioned. Sometimes it's political mischief. It certainly opens the opportunity for that, and it, it really has, I don't think it served the people of California well. Yeah, I think the purpose, the stated purpose was to uh, get more, quote, moderate, unquote, legislators and politicians uh, from on both sides, and I don't think, at least certainly on the Democrat side, um, there are plenty of moderate Republicans, but uh, there are, um, there doesn't seem to be very many moderate Democrats. Well, in a way, it, it it creates the potential for either party to run a candidate and then try to steal the voters from the other party. For instance, if a Republican is on the ticket and 
and gets Democratic votes, each one of those votes counts for two because it's one less for the Democrat, one more for the Republican. So theoretically, you, you, could, you could run candidates who reach across the aisle, and, and on tax issues in particular, there is, there is room there for coalition, for a coalition candidate, uh, because every homeowner in California should be in favor of protecting Prop 13. That should not even be controversial. No one needs higher taxes in California. No one. So it really is, there are opportunities to build a coalition that could win, but it's very, very difficult because many in the business community stopped supporting Republican candidates and chose to kind of just protect their own interests by sticking with whoever's in the majority and electing the least bad Democrat for their interests. Uh, and that has, that has made politics a little bit more, um, well, really divisive, I think, because it's, it's pushed the parties further apart and it's, it's created less opportunity for reaching across the aisle and more opportunity for just one-party government. Yeah, theoretically, um, I, there is a room for, particularly for a Democrat, to run up the middle and mm-hmm. draw and draw Republican support and some Democrats and some. Uh, but I'm not seeing that. I'm just not seeing that happening in in, 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 in practice. Uh, there was a um, article published in the Hill uh, by Ron Nering about three challenges of Republicans. He talked. One of us he talked about is that. California is the canary in the coal mine, not the outlier. And, and Brulte wrote an article to the same effect shortly before he left his wonderfully successful term as state party chair, <laughs> which saw the party fall from uh-huh. second place into third place behind uh, be, be, behind uh, behind the, behind the decline of state. But they must have made the same point. I think it's a fair point. Is the trends in California of mass immigration, legal and illegal? Uh, no voter, no voter integrity, no election integrity, and the indoctrination and the induction to the voting pool of indoctrinated people from the government-run schools. Those trends are are, are working nationwide, not and not just in California. And they seem to every one of these Republicans seems to assume that mass immigration is like the weather. It, there's there's nothing we can do about it. But of course, there is. Well, yes, the, the policies can be changed, and certainly the law on asylum is out of date and needs to be repaired and fixed and patched up and, and functional again. It dates to the Cold War, and it's not working for us, and it's not working for people who are dying at the border. It's not working for anybody, and it should be fixed, and the Democrats are standing in the way of that in Washington. But the, for all that the progressives seem to be making progress in California, Donald Trump is about to be reelected. Nobody's going to beat Donald Trump. I want to make a prediction right now. Nobody's going to beat Donald Trump. And in that sense, it's clear that there is a very substantial conservative outlook in the country. For all that the progressives get the news coverage and the noise, there, there are a lot of people in this country who still want to live in a free country. And they don't want to be told what to think. They don't want to be told what to say. They don't want to be taxed out of their houses. They don't want to give up their private health insurance for some government plan. These are not popular ideas. We can, we can tap into that, even in California. It's going to take leadership, and it's going to take hard work, but it can be done. I'm going to differ. I, 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 I believe that, the, that we are again drawing to an inside straight 
in this coming election in, in, in trying to get Donald Trump reelected, that there are uh, one of the big reasons is the big dem, big dem tech censorship and the bias in the search results by Google that shifts that uh, Professor Robert Epstein, who has uh, studied this and who, by the way, is a Hillary was a Hillary Clinton supporter doesn't like all this uh, power in, in the big dem tech companies that the, the collectively they they could shift 10 to 15 million votes to the democrats in tw- in 2020 and there's you know the, our side has done nothing but intermittent hand wringing their other side is highly motivated they are stoked with white hot hatred of Donald Trump and his supporters and they may not be able to expand you know knock off Donald Trump's and reduce his core support but they have their people highly motivated. They're going to have oodles and oodles of money. They will say anything and they will do anything uh, to win. Uh, so I think I think that we, to say that he's likely to get you know open praise that it is. We better and we better make sure he gets reelected to have, to have a free country. But uh, I by no means should we be comfortable or confident that that's going to happen. Well, he's not going to carry California. <laughs> I'll agree with you there. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Yeah, you're probably right there. <laughs> but I don't see any of these Democratic candidates who are in the race beating him. I just don't see that. I just don't. It almost Do you doesn't see matter. Joe Biden beating him? I, I think it, it almost doesn't matter who the Democrat candidate is because their machine operates ir- irrespective of who the who the candidate is. So whether it's Joe Biden, I mean, actually, Joe Biden is my is my preferred choice. Yes, I just you know I think when you you know the, the number one for me the number one issue is this guy took a one point actually through his son took a one point five billion dollar bribe from China. Oh my! Yeah, I mean they, they, when he was vice president, his son went over there with him on there was some trade mission. Biden took a soft line with with trade out of China, and within ten days, uh, the Chinese bank invested one point five billion dollars with Hunter Biden's company. Hmm. And I just think you know, people aren't people aren't are just are, are just not going to go for that. Yeah, there's, there, there, the other side has weaknesses, but um, they we should absolutely not under, underestimate the strength of of the enemy. Uh, the immigration is, uh, is through a whole number of states. Texas may even be come close to being in play. I guess if he loses Texas, then it's all over for the country. But even if he has even if it's a fight in Texas and he has to go spend time in Texas and spend money in Texas. Uh, that, that just shows that shows the trend. The same way in Georgia is becoming is trending towards being a purple state. Uh, Virginia is gone, and that was a reliably Republican state for a long time. Uh, he won Pennsylvania and and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and Michigan by le- collectively less than one hundred thousand votes. So, um, you know. I certainly hope that you're right, and that and I, I can see that happening. They get some left wing ding dong, and you know that you know who's you know you see in the debate. My opponent and all the Democrats are in favor of free health care for every illegal alien who steps across the border. If you're in favor of that, raise your, you know collectively out there in the raise your hand and vote for my opponent. Mm-hmm. If you think we should put Americans first, and this is and that's just crazy, then I'm your choice. Yeah, I could I could I could see Donald Trump doing well, but boy, we should not assume it. Well, have you heard of the 13 Keys analysis? This is, no. I, believe his name, I believe his name is Alan Lichtman, and he's a historian, and he put together years ago a system with a, with a Soviet mathematician. That's how long ago it is. It was a Soviet mathematician, I believe. And they, they put together a system of analyzing different elements 
in the political atmosphere to see if they could predict the outcome of presidential elections. And they've been right every single time except the Bush-Gore election. And you know how close that was, so maybe they were right. What it says, essentially, is there are 13 different questions, and if half of them go in favor of the incumbent, then the incumbent will win. And they basically tease out whether people are better off than they were before. That's essentially what they do. Does the, does the candidate, is, is the economy generally better? Is there, a, is there a, a war? Is there a crisis? Is there a scandal? And the, the 13 keys show Donald Trump reelected. And they showed Donald Trump elected in 2016 when all the polls said it was going to be Hillary Clinton. So this is a very interesting thing. Google it, the 13 keys analysis, and fill it out for yourself and see which way you think it's going. Uh, it looks to me like nobody beats Donald Trump. I, as, 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 as my Jewish friends say, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say that he's got the smartest media-savvy strategies of anyone we've ever seen in politics. I know everybody thinks, oh, he's on Twitter and it's so controversial and it's terrible and why is he doing this? But what he's doing is he is controlling the focus of the news coverage every single day. That's by true. being just outrageous enough so that whatever they were going to talk about, they can't. They have to talk about whatever he said. And, you know, the, the outer view of it is, what an outrageous thing, why did he say that? But if you look a little deeper, it's, well, what's he putting the focus on by doubling down on this outrageous comment day after day? What is he putting the focus on? And if you look at that, you'll see that he is reaching a particular audience, a particular voting group. He is calling attention to a particular issue he plays a very long game, and he does it with incredible skill. I know it looks really rough from the outside, but go a little deeper and see what everyone's really talking about, and you'll see, he, for instance, he has made the squad, the so-called squad, the face of the Democratic Party. Just when Nancy Pelosi was trying to marginalize them, and she was saying things like, oh, a glass of water could get elected in AOC's district, and they're just four people I, and they have four I, votes. We are going to have to leave it there. We are up against a hard break here, Susan. Thank you so much for being on the show and your great work. Again, you can read her columns and the SoCal Daily News Group, including the Press Enterprise, Redlands Daily Facts, and San Marino Sun locally. And she's also Vice President Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. Thanks for everything that you're doing, and thanks for being on our show. Tune in next week for another exciting edition of Unite IE Radio. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.